It's Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul on demand, season two, episode thirty-four with Ashley McBride. Are you gonna go to like to Wally World or Target and I'm, buy one? I really am gonna go to Target. Yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, I need to make a Target run anyway. How many uh, do you get? I'm usually just one. I like to go and, and purchase my record. Are you offended if the registry doesn't know who you are? Never. Okay. <laughs> Never. And when my very first record came out, a friend of mine, her little boy was like five at the time, and he went to Walmart and bought the Girl Going Nowhere record. And he told them, this this is my, they call me Smash. And he's like, this is my Smash. And they were like, okay, that'll be $19. You know? Like, All right. This was a lot of fun, this interview with Ashley McBride. She really got very candid. Uh, you know, we talk about everything from her childhood to, you know, what she's currently up to and her new record that just came out. If you could, at the end of this interview, give us a, a like, a subscribe, uh, a comment. It all helps us out here at Taste of Country Nights On Demand, part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network. Uh, it's Evan Paul here hanging with Ashley McBride, The Devil I Know, coming out tomorrow. Yeah. Are you excited? I'm so excited. Yeah. What's uh, What are you looking forward to most about release day? Um, I don't have anything I have to do on release day. So I get to listen to the record and make yummy food and catch up on housework. You know, real rock star stuff. Yeah, that is rock star. <laughs> now, are you going to go to like to Wally World or Target and I, buy one? I really am going to go to Target. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I need to make a Target run anyway. How many uh, do you get? Um, usually just one. I like to go and, and purchase my record. Yeah. Are you offended if the registry doesn't know who you are? Never. Okay. <laughs> Never. And when my very first record came out, a friend of mine, her little boy was like five at the time, and he went to Walmart and bought the Girl Going Nowhere record. And he told them, this this is my, they call me Smash. And he's like, this is my Smash. And they were like... <laughs> Okay, that'll be nineteen dollars. You know, like, All right. yeah. No, I just assume. I just assume. That's awesome. Congrats on the nominations for CMAs Thank just you. came out. Yeah, uh, album of the year, video of the year, female artist of the year. Yeah. Uh, who reached out to you this morning? Like, roll through your day of finding out everything. We've got a really busy day leading up to album release. So, Glam started at six a.m., and we decided to do that <clears throat> at my house in the kitchen, watching Golden Girls, like you do. And Blakely, who is in charge of wardrobe, said, uh, friends, nominations came out this morning. And I was like, really? So then I went and grabbed my phone off my nightstand and already had text messages from my family at Warner and my family at Q Prime. So it was a really nice way. And when you've got a really busy day like this leading up to a very like uh, anxious time tomorrow, it's wonderful to start that with such fantastic news. I bet. I bet. Did any country artists reach out yet or is it still too Not early? Yeah, but it's usually... Me and Lainey and Miranda, you all always reach out to each other and jab each other in the ribs. Got it. You all on a group text? We've got several group texts of, of female artists. There is one that is me and Miranda and Kaylee and Tennille, I think. And, and that one gets pretty funny sometimes. <laughs> Especially when you're in the thick of it in like festival season and you all have something to complain about. You just kind of get on there for a second. Right. <laughs> uh, share a backstage moment from an award show. Like there's something that... We don't know about an award show back in the day or something that oh, wow. sticks um, to you. I, it was the my my first the first CMA I ever won, and and if you're listening and you and you're you have no idea how the dressing rooms work backstage, right? There's a bunch of us in each dressing room. It's like this the the this prior prior CMA was me, Miranda, Laney, and L. Okay, and, oh that's true. In a dressing room, yeah. But this one was a few before that. 
And I want to say it was like Runaway June, Lindsay L. was in there. And there's a whole bunch of us, and we're all getting ready. And every makeup artist and every wardrobe artist, we're all steaming things and taping body parts and handing blush over here. And Pam Tillis came in to congratulate me. And I had never gotten to meet Pam. And I'm in full glam. I just won an award. And I teared up and was like, Sweetheart's Dance and Homeward Looking Angel were two of the most important albums of my life. You are part of the reason I do this for a living. And it, I, I revisit it pretty often, that, that feeling, because, you know, we do this so often and you're on the bus and you get off the bus and you get ready for the show and you do the show and you forget that that's the feeling that somebody has in the audience right now. Yeah. And it's somebody's first time seeing you, that's right. you know, so you always there's a go. chance that your record is that record yeah. for somebody in the audience. And I'm sure it is. And we'll, we'll find out. I'll play this for him in 15, 20 years. You know, when some, I'll play this for you when someone's like, you know, when Ashley McBride came out with Linville. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, speaking of Linville, Blackout Betty, I felt like it was a song that could have been on that album. Could have. It's actually, we wrote Blackout Betty, me and Aaron Rage here and Nicolette Hayford. And after we wrote it, was, that was the day I said, we should make a record that includes Blackout Betty and Shut Up Sheila and Living Next to Leroy and Pillbox Patty and all of these characters that we already have. We should make more characters. Okay. And, and at the time, it wasn't an option at all to be a record. But I said we should make more characters, write more songs, give them a place to live. And if we did that, we would have to name the town Lindyville in honor of Dennis Lindy. Wow. So Blackout Betty is the reason Lindyville gets to exist. Oh, okay. And Blackout Betty's kind of like rocking. It's like it uh, is, and that is the me you get when I drink too much, and that's what, <laughs> that was the nickname they started giving me. But I'd, I'd get up and be like, "Well, I guess I'll head home." And they're like, "Well, wherever Blackout Betty put her keys." And like, oh yeah, yeah. And that that song, I was hungover when we wrote it. So, and I'm not bragging about that. Shame on me. <laughs> Would you ever go in more of a rock direction? Is that oh, like absolutely a, okay? Yeah, we get actually we get a lot of. Uh, grief for that sometimes. Oh, for rock and roll for a country band. Okay. Like, okay. Well, have a good day. I don't. <laughs> you, I'm not surprised. Okay, that's fair. But we also get told that we're too country. I mean, everybody's got something to say, right? Until so, you get punched in the face. That's right. That's what. Yeah. Who uh, was it that said that? Was it Mike Tyson that said everybody's everybody got a plan? Something to say. Everybody's got a plan until you get <laughs> punched, in, get punched in the face. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Learn to lie. Tough song. Talks about Thanks. some some of your past. Uh, yeah. What were your parents' reactions to it? I don't know that my dad's ever heard it. Okay. Um, or that he even owns radio. Uh, <laughs> he's just that kind of guy. He lives under a rock, and it's beautiful there. And my mom, though, when we put that on the record, I FaceTimed her and told her about the song and talked her through the lyrics because being blindsided by that song would have been really painful. And it would have seemed like I, I was coming at her. you know. But I'm proud of the way I was raised, uh, even though some of that wasn't wasn't beautiful but i talked her through the lyrics and she was like yeah yeah none of it's untrue so um and and i go back to if i feel this way i'm not the only person that feels this way right so there are other people that feel this way that m maybe have a harder time putting their finger on it here it is is that a one listen and done for your mom do you think or is she driving around listening to that over and over. Marty will be listening to the record over and over and over. My mama <laughs> okay. will be singing the harmonies to it and okay. be telling me things like, oh, I really like the way that this happened in the second verse of this song. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. What's a hobby that people will be surprised that you're into? I make candles. 
Really? But I'm not like, um, I'm not like a snotty, like, oh, you have to make them out of. No, I just love candles, and I got so tired of spending so much yes. money on candles. I, I got just, this one in the clearance section for five bucks, but they wanted right. like 30 for it. Right, and I totally will pay 30 bucks for one, but yeah. I just started making candles. That and um, American Sign Language. I love to learn as much as I can, and but I, only, I can only learn so much, retain, and practice so much because there's not a lot of people to practice with, but... Yeah, that's important to me. Can you sign, like, could you be able to sign one of your songs one day? Right now I'm working on Light On In The Kitchen. So if if I was signing that to you, I would tell you that I'm learning ASL. Um, I'll sign slow because I'm learning. Wow. So do you think one day you would get on the stage and sign a whole song? Has anyone ever done that? I don't know if they have. It's a goal of mine. But I also think, you know, when we have interpreters at shows. Yeah. I also think it would be when we, if you've got video capability, wouldn't it be lovely if I could tell our ASL audience myself, yes, that I'm happy you are here now with me, dude. Epic, right? Epic. I see you. Yeah. Yeah. That, That's epic. That makes me feel good. And when I was playing in the bars in Little Rock, I had a friend who was an ASL teacher. He taught ASL and he would bring members of that community to my shows and sign to them at bar shows. I think it's so cool. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love too when the sign language people get a little crunk. I love it. You know? Especially at hip hop shows. Yeah. And I imagine it's hard for the artist because I'm watching the interpreter. Yeah, I'd rather see I heard see a comedian talk about that too, where he said it's hard when there's an interpreter. <laughs> At the shows, because every time he says a profane word, yeah, you everybody's staring at the interpreter. <laughs> <laughs> um, your mom appears in the music video for Light On in the Kitchen. Uh, and, and, you know, it feels like an homage to your mom in a lot of yeah. ways. What was her reaction to that song, and what was it like having her in a video? When we very first wrote the song, and I sent it to her, and she sent it to her sister, um, who I'm super close with, too. And we started using the phrase leave the light on in the kitchen um, in place of I love you or in place of I miss you or in place of I'm thinking about you. So I would be getting on stage at night and I may get to my phone after I've gotten off stage and have a message from Aunt Gloria or from my mom that says headed to bed, the light's on. Wow. What a cool thing to happen. And if that's happening for my family, then there's a good chance it's happening for other families. And then when it came time to do the video, I called mom. and Hey, she's like, hi, honey. And I said, I was just wondering, would you have any interest in making a cameo in the video? And she goes, yes. I said, okay, well, we're shooting the video in two days. Can I just go ahead and book you a flight? Yes. What do I need to wear? And I said, well, I'll text Blakely and ask her. And she said, um, that I texted her, I said, she said to pull your two favorite things to wear right now. And then she will work with that. Mom's like, I'll just, I can't wait. I'll be there. Wow. So supportive. And she did full glam and everything. She did. did she, she love it? She did. And she looked absolutely lovely. And then at the end of the video, when you see us chatting with each other, yeah. um, it's really me going, Mom, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And <laughs> at one funny. of the takes, it might be the take we kept. You should watch it and watch her mouth uh, because she looks at me and goes, I'm actually a little hangry. <laughs> get her a snack. That's a fun fact. All right, yeah. So we should go back and watch for that. Uh, there's a lot of songs in this album about the music business, you know, being an artist, giving us a little behind the, the scenes. Uh, you've done a lot about this before. What at this stage in your career, how different does it feel to write about the music business? Like, are you able to open up more or less? 
It's weird looking back at songs that we've written, some that haven't made records. Um, there was one called Dear Nashville um, that we'll never get to make it to a record because of where we were in our careers at the time we wrote it. And Made for This was similar to that in that I was still in a van at the time. Travis Meadows was still touring in his expedition. And we were telling ourselves, one of these days, I'm going to get a bus. And it was really just kind of a hang in there, kiddo. We're going to get it. So when he came time to put that on a record, I was thinking more about the people I had had on the road with me recently, which at the time was Lainey and Ashlyn Craft. And I, th- I thought this deserves to be on a record for anybody who's thinking they might want to do this for a living. They need to know that we want you to do it. And it's awesome. And most of the time you are driving yourself there in a van and you're not sleeping very much and your food choices are crap. And you're going to gain a little weight and that's just how it's going to be. But if you're cut out for it, you're going to love this. And the more I thought about it, that really applies to our firefighters and our police officers and our ambulance drivers and people that haul long, long distance truckers, long haul truckers, um, our armed service members. So it, it felt like that was the right thing to do so that it is about the music business. And then also there are many things that if you're not cut out for it and you try to do it, you'll know quick. Yeah. What about Taylor Swift giving her truckers those bonuses of like a hundred grand each or something? That's so cool. I don't, it- I don't know what that kind of money looks like. I have no clue. <laughs> but what a cool thing to do. <laughs> do you feel that way though? Like if, like you would do, I feel like you would do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, cool little bars, co-written yeah. with Lainey. Yeah. Um, what was it like writing with Lainey, being that she's your friend? Can you guys get down to business? Oh, totally. And okay. that's how we became friends originally was um, when she first got to town, was newer to town. We were writing together. Me, her, Casey Tyndall. Um, And then it had been a while since we sat down and wrote. We got with our buddy Trick Savage and sat down and cool little bars came out that day. What is your favorite part about that song? I was thinking about losers in Midtown and how I've always really thought it was so nice and charming that there's still a cigarette machine. Wow. Yeah. And a shuffleboard. Yeah. Shuffleboard. Even though there's a rooftop on it and we, for some reason, allow bachelorette parties there. um, (laughs) There's still a cigarette machine. Like it's still a bar. (laughs) Right. Right. And that we were thinking about different places in town and different places I've played and stuff in Kentucky where I'm like, there was this place I played in Kentucky where, um, it's not that the doors didn't work right on the bathroom stalls. There weren't any. <laughs> and places like that are fewer and farther between. They're getting they're getting yeah. knocked down so people yeah. can park there to go to much more sterile yeah. gathering places. Uh, so we thought we'd celebrate cool little bars. And, I, cool. you know, chances of me having a song about a very interesting drinking establishment on my record, pretty high. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, tell me the story about uh, 6th of October. Oh, man. Um, there was a friend of ours that we all wrote with. His name was Randall Clay, the finest songwriter I've ever written with. And he passed away a a few years ago now, but at this time it was only a few months, maybe six or eight since he had passed away. And I had some friends over. We were there to write, not about that, but we were there to write. And he said, man, I had started this song with Randall, which is that first verse. And what was amazing was CJ Field had driven down from Massachusetts Pulls into Randall's driveway and says the first line, hey, I threw up this morning in Christiansburg, VA. I drove down from PA. I slept in my van. Randall stands up in boxers and a white cotton T-shirt on his porch, smoking a cigarette with his socks on. 
takes a drag of a cigarette before he even blows the smoke all the way out, says, I can still taste the whiskey from the last fool that kissed me and the people who missed me. I can count on one hand. Good morning, CJ. <laughs> what? And he's like, man, we never got to use that. So we sat down and wrote, and it wound up being, um, in a lot of ways, a tribute to Randall. And he's still a songwriter. He's still a credited writer on that song because he started that song. And it just so happens um, that that second verse, when I said, I've been saying I was sober since the 6th of October, that was when we found out that it wasn't looking great for our friend to be found still living. And, and that was just sort of by coincidence. We wrote the line, we wrote the verse, and then we went back and we were like, oh my God, 6th of October. And then fast forward to this last year, I was on TV doing a thing with CBS. And that was the morning that Garth invited me to be a member of the Grand Old Opry. And I called my brother afterward and I was like, oh my God, I just got invited to be a member of the Grand Old Opry. And he said, Ash, it's the 6th of October. Wow. And then we booked this tour, which starts in October. On the 6th. And I'll be, and I was like, holy crap. And I'll be in Florida on October 6th, which is where Randall was, was from and where he, he uh, went to be with our Lord. Um, wow. Right? So the, the, the 6th of October just keeps swirling around. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if, I don't know. Six, it could get dangerous. It could be like Friday the 13th or something. I know. I know. Or like that movie 23 with yeah. Jim Carrey. We're like, all of a sudden I just start seeing 6th <laughs> yeah, of October everywhere. everywhere. Uh, real quick, I want to play something that Kip Moore said about you. Oh, Kip. I love Ashley McBride and every aspect of her artistry. I mean, she is. I've, I've loved what she's done for quite a while. Love her like a sister. I have never written a song in mind with someone else singing with me, ever, my whole career. When I got past the first chorus, I said, this is the perfect song to write for Ashley to sing with me. We barely even knew each other. And I said that to myself, and I wrote that next verse with Ashley in mind. Fast forward a few months later, we're in Alaska, and we're doing this show. Me and her and Kendall Marv are just doing these acoustic shows, and we're in the trailer together. It's all kind of playing songs and swapping stories. And she said, Kip, play me something you love that you recently wrote. And so I played the first verse in chorus with one heartbeat. And she grabbed that headstock of my guitar and was like, I absolutely love this, and can I sing on it with you? So what? It was like yeah. meant to be. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. He was pretty matter of fact about that. Yeah, he had a lot to say about you. Yeah, I remember the bar where we were. I remember what the stage was like, too. And he he played that for me, and I was like, man, I love this. And you, you want to sing on it? Yeah, well, yeah, I want to sing on it. And then we really did. Then he called one day and was like, hey, we're in the studio. Do you want to come do a vocal on this? And I was like, what? Yeah, sure. And you just rolled. Do you happen to be in town or yeah. whatnot? Wow. Went and sang on it. I love that song. Yeah. Are there going to be any future Kip Ashley collaborations? or? Is it... I would love to do a tour with Kip. I okay. think we would have a blast together. All right. How do we set that up? Who do I call? I don't, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know who to call. Okay. I mean, yeah. I guess I'll, Kip. I'll start with the white pages, I guess. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming by. Congrats on the album, the nominations, and all the success. Thank you very much. Yeah. Let's bring in Billy Dukes from behind the camera to talk about this episode of uh, the podcast with Ashton McBride. What was your favorite part about this interview? I mean, there, were, there was a lot there, but what did you really kind of walk away with thinking, wow, that was that was special? You know, I don't know if it, it was the same for me as everyone else, but I think for me, I thought it was most interesting about the light on in the kitchen uh, thing where... She and it's been I I was I just walked away going like, man, 
not only is she like deep, you know, and smart and deep mentally, but like her family is too. Like for some, for her aunt to text her, like when they're texting at night, have a good night. Mm-hmm. I'll leave or like the lights on for you. Like, yeah. that's kind of cool. Like, I wish my family was that tight knit. Like, you know, like, I don't know. I, I just, that struck me as really cool. There's a level of personalization to songs like that, but the song is still really accessible. Like, my family doesn't do the light on in the kitchen, but, you know, they do something different probably that just says, you're always welcome, Um, you can always kind of come back home. And that feeling is universal, just the way she sort of presents it is really specific. Uh, And that was, you're right, that was was really heartwarming. Um, but second for me to the, to the American sign language thing, like when she started like the sincerity and if yeah. you watch this video on YouTube, like her sincerity as she talks about ASL is really overwhelming. Like she wants to represent that community really accurately and with a lot of heart. Definitely. And you can tell like, she's really taking a hold of that. And like, uh, I just think it's cool that she, you know, embrace that, you know, n- not that anyone doesn't embrace it but i don't think anyone goes out of their way to make their show that inclusive where they go and learn that you know i thought that was really cool and you know back to the light on in the kitchen thing i've talked to her before and one time she told me something similar that made me think about the same thing and she said that uh, where um wherever she is her, her boots are always like by the front door so she was like if you, you, my mom always used to know when I was home, if my boots were by the front door. So when anytime I enter a room or a house, I'll put my boots right there by the door. And, you know, wherever I am in that house, you know that I'm there because my boots are there. I'm, I don't know. She's just very intentional about that stuff. And it's really cool. We talked to her a fair bit about uh, the song Learn to Lie and that being a really tough song to play for her mother and uh, we didn't get too much into the lyrics of it but she the song talks about how her father um he wasn't faithful and her mom would kind of accept it or always be willing to sort of allow him back into the life that's like a part of the song is like how her mom was always allowing him back into the house and, and maybe that wasn't good for her so that was part of the lie she told is just a willingness to say oh i'm okay it's okay you can come on back when that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, do you think that this comes from her being one of the more like um, older per se? I know she's not old, but she's not like you know the country scene is is a lot younger nowadays. And does this does this come from her you know being almost forty per se and being like more mature? Like, are we hearing a different side? Like, you you might not get that from a Tim McGraw per se because. He, you know, he might not have written that a yeah. song, you know, because he's not much, doesn't write that much. The the greatest injustice in country music, well, I don't want to say the greatest, but a, an injustice that doesn't get talked about enough is how, especially with female artists, like they seem to have a window from about age twenty to age thirty five, and then we start kind of we we quit playing them on the radio with that kind of frequency. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that, and some are valid and some are not valid. But the problem is, like, when an artist is 30, 35, 40, like, they've had life experiences. They've been writing for 10 or 15 years, 
and can kind of turn those life experiences into beautiful songs. And, and you take an artist like Brett Young, he came out of the gate as a new artist with so much depth to his songwriting. Well, he was like 36 years old as a new artist. He had an extra decade head start before he was a quote-unquote new artist. And that's what we're seeing from Ashley right now. I mean, she is... I have no idea how old she is. Um, I've all, I think she's like 39. Okay. Um, yeah, she's kind of an ageless wonder to me. Like, when she came on the scene... Six or seven years ago, she could have been anywhere from 30 to 45 because she just sort of looked timeless. Yeah. And she used to sport that sort of gray wisp in her hair. You remember that? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Dude, I lived out in Portland, Oregon for a while. And right when it started getting popular, like girls that were like in their 20s would have have like gray hair mm-hmm. dye. And I was like, I was so baffled. I could, is this girl 25 or is she 40? And that, I think that's what you're saying with Ashley. Yeah, she's kind of gotten rid of that gray now. But so she's all one. But she is. She's a much more mature songwriter. And if we sort of embraced age a little bit more in this genre, the music would be so much better for it, um, I think. And, and and we see that when you kind of go back into 80s and 90s countries, a lot of these female pioneers, like uh, Reba was older when she started having success. Loretta Lynn, I think, was like already a grandmother by the time she started having hits. Uh, Katie Oslin, Mary yeah. Chippen. I mean, there's just so many great songs and, and it's a big miss. But so Ashley is an example of I, uh, uh, people getting it right. I blame one person for ushering in the kid era of all genre music there's one person who's that justin bieber after he did it it was never the same well i mean you could go back further maybe to like britney spears because she was 17 18 yeah but bieber was like 12 he was he was pretty young leanne rhymes was young she was like 12 or 13 all right all right right. you know i kind of blame like uh reality shows that put yeah. like remember American Idol kind of came on. They had like a hard cap on when you could be an American Idol, and I think that sent a message that like that was the hard cap age. After that, you couldn't be a new star. Yeah, maybe uh, we're embracing it more as a country though, because like there's the Golden Bachelor coming on. Maybe there can be like the Golden Idol. Are you, are you watching the Golden Bachelor? I'm not, but I but I saw like a preview <laughs> for it. It looked kind of sweet. <laughs> I did, I did too, and I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, this is just... And then I'm like, oh, he- hello, Edith. Looking good. Yeah. I see you, girl. Yeah, what's up, Edith? Yeah, uh, I, I, I would check that out. I don't even know, is it out yet? It's coming soon. We have a member oh, of the good. staff, um, Addison, who is very into all things Bachelor. Yeah. And um, she's pretty pumped about this show, even though she is younger. Like, I don't, She's in her mid-20s somewhere. She's not like senior age but she's pretty pumped about seeing these old gals get their chance at love yeah so i mean we could be on to something here i mean you know it, it i mean we're, we're having fun with it but you know you pointed out two great thing, two great examples of the brett young and ashley mcbride that the older they get the, and you know the songwriting becomes more in depth and deeper so yeah maybe there is uh, a lane for golden idol if so you know let's revert back to this as our first uh, spoken trademark uh mark for it well laney wilson i mean she's not old but she wasn't 21 with her first song you know she it took her 10 years yeah uh, and she's having carly pierce is in her 30s miranda lambert's putting out songs that are are better than ever i mean it might they might not all be commercially viable like some of her other ones were I mean, and and that has a lot of 
That's kind of a tricky subject as well, but and Carrie Underwood's albums have been really kind of artistically satisfying, even if they haven't had the commercial success. Um, so, so those are some other examples. Yeah, I've kind of complained about this topic for years, um, and I'm glad to see Ashley kind of getting some love. But she's still struggling with radio too, right? Light on the kitchen. I mean, that's not a number one hit. I don't think she's ever had a number one hit. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't, yeah, you're right, man. I mean, you know, you're yelling, "Get off my lawn!" But you have reason to. <laughs> I I learned Ashley ha- as a woman of many nicknames in this interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh blackout betty smash yeah. uh-huh someone calls her smash which i assume is some sort of smashly yeah yeah it has it comes from her name ash ashley but we're i don't know where the smash the sm comes from maybe they just i, I think uh, they call girls smashly when they get wasted yeah but it was her friend's kid that called her smash oh oh Hey, you never know. I mean, yeah, I don't it could know. be up Maybe. to like mashed potatoes. <laughs> right. That's that's an inter- It could be a potato-centric nickname. Who knows? I mean, kids come up with silly stuff. My, my one son calls his uncle Uncle Honk Honk just because he thought it was silly. <laughs> that's great. I know. It is funny. That's funny what kids would call people. Yeah. she Ashley was a delight, though. I mean, she, she was really good and... You know, I think the next few weeks, I think we could tease it too. We got we got some bangers on tap for this podcast um, with Brothers Osborne, Darius Rucker coming up. Uh, we got some we got some hits coming here. So I think, and then Dan and Shay was great last week as too. This is like prime time Taste of Country Nights. Not to get into promotional mode for the podcast here, but let's do. We knocked out some great interviews, and and I'm excited to kind of bring them to the people. Yeah, same. And if you could tell one person, at least, you know, even if it's like your your uncle, what's uh, Uncle Hong Kong, you know, yep. tell one person uh, that'll help us out. We appreciate that. And thank you so much for listening to Taste of Country Nights on Demand.